Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. When Jesus lives in you, you reflect the light. And he says, you're the light of the world, you're the hope of the world, you're people of influence. I can't do in this world what God wants us to do, Jesus says, without you. See, you're light. You have to shine. Jesus says to his disciples, you're indispensable to me. Can I say to you this morning, Calvary Chapel, you're indispensable to God. He created you to be light and salt. Don't condemn the dark glow, shine. If you're a believer in Christ, hearing these words of Jesus can be hard. Thinking of oneself as representatives of Jesus on the earth, how can we be that? We're all messed up on our best days. Pastor Mark will be teaching that fortunately for us, Jesus didn't leave us to our own devices. Jesus will send the Holy Spirit who will fill us with the power to do the will of God. Pastor Mark will be sharing practical ways we can be used by God to be the light of the world, to reflect the light Jesus brought here. We can, with God's help, be the helper to Jesus he intended us to be. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with part two of his message, Reactions to Jesus and His Claims. Let me read it to you, First Kings. Here's her words to King Solomon when she visits this amazing site. How happy your people must be. What a privilege for your officials to stand here day after day listening to your wisdom. Praise the Lord your God. She's a Gentile. The Ninevites were Gentile. This already aggravated the Jews. Jesus is using two Gentiles that believed instead of the unbelieving Jews. Praise the Lord your God who delights in you and has placed you on the throne of Israel. Because of the Lord's eternal love for Israel, he has made you king so you can rule with justice and righteousness. See, she heard about Solomon's great works and great wisdom. She came, she saw, she believed his word. She didn't ask for another sign. She believed the word. And then Jesus says this again. Look at the next verse. The men of Nineveh, like this queen, will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, you unbelieving Jews. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now something, I call it, someone greater than Jonah is here. Jesus goes back and he says to the Jewish people, you know the story in the Old Testament of Jonah. You know the story of the Queen of Sheba. I am the Son of God. I am the Messiah sent to you by your own God, not the Gentiles' God, your God. And yet you refuse to repent 
and believe. You Jewish people do not have as much faith as the Gentiles have. That really made them mad. He says, I'm standing before you. Someone greater is here than Jonah. I'm not Jonah. I'm not the queen of Sheba. I'm God's son. I'm standing before you and you refuse to believe. There's no right in the fence. Unless you believe and repent, these Gentiles are going to stand up at your judgment and say, we believed. Why didn't you believe? Now, I want you to turn your Bible. Keep your finger right there. I want you to turn to one huge verse. John, just one book back. John 20. Everybody with your Bible? John chapter 20. And as you get there, scoot right on down, if you will, to verse 29. A very familiar verse. But you need to understand that as we talk to people around our community about Christ. Remember what happened when Jesus said to his disciples, I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to die. After three days, I'll be resurrected. He said that many times to his disciples, the learners. But they didn't have faith. They didn't believe it. First of all, they didn't believe he would go to the cross. But he did. And then they definitely didn't believe he would be resurrected. Remember what happened? Somebody went to the tomb that day and Mary came back to his disciples. Hey, the tomb's empty. He's risen. What did the disciples, the men of faith say? You forget it. You're lost. You got the wrong place. He's not risen. And then eventually Jesus, what? One night walked through the door. He walked right through the door. HD door. He walked right through it. And he went. It was Jesus. But somebody was absent that night. Remember who? Thomas. What's Thomas's first name? Doubting Thomas. His mother didn't call him that. We do. And what did Thomas say? Hey, you guys are crazy. Unless I see his hands, put my hand in his side, I ain't believing. What you see is the night that Jesus appeared to all the disciples, including Thomas. Look what it says in verse, you're right here in John 20. Look at verse 29. Then Jesus told him, who? Doubting Thomas. You believe Because you have seen me. Now this next sentence, underline that in the Bible, this is for every Christian since that day. Every single person. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. That's faith. No sign. See, you can't please God without faith. And so... Here, you heard me say it already, but let's just look at it again. Here's what an unbeliever, these are what the Jewish people were saying. Show me and I'll believe. Jesus said, look, I've showed you face to face so much. It isn't that you won't believe. You can't believe. You won't believe. You refuse to believe. Remember, no fence sitting. Then he says this. Jesus says, believe and I'll show you. That's true for every single person listening to me today. When you take a step of faith, God will prove himself to you. Your whole life, unbelievable. But you can't get saved without faith. And God will even give you the faith to believe that he's the Messiah. So the first thing we talked about this morning, the first three was a sign. What was the second one I told you? Okay, there's three of you. Light, that's good. You're just a little slow. Good, light, light, light. This is the time of year for lights. Now, go back to Luke 11.33. Watch what Jesus says. No one lights a lamp 
and puts it in a place where it will be hidden. Now remember, in those days, of course, this is like an oil lamp. This is not like turning on your 100-watt bulb. No one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden or under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in may see the light. God sent Jesus. This verse 33 is about Jesus. It isn't about you and me. It has an application for that. But God sent Jesus, the light, to the world so all the world could see Jesus, his works, his teachings. Jesus is saying to these same doubters, if you focus on me and my teachings, you will be following me and you're going to walk in the light because I am the light, talking spiritually light. Then one day Jesus said this, Look at me just for a moment. Light and darkness are always contrast in the Bible. Now watch what Jesus says in verse 8-12. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world if, your choice, you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. There's that contrast, light and dark, because you will have the light that leads to life. Another kind of contrast with light. So darkness equals in the Bible spiritually sin, bondage, spiritual death. Light in the Bible is God, freedom, and spiritual life. Now, why did Jesus say this? This wasn't new to the people. They knew an Old Testament story about the coming of the Messiah. I want you to keep your finger there and turn Two books back to the book of Matthew. It's important you see this. Matthew chapter 4 in your Bibles. And let me challenge you to always be bringing your Bible or have a Bible or an iPad or Android or whatever so you can work through the scripture. You need to see what Jesus is teaching. Now, in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, listen, 700 years before Jesus was born, there was a prophecy of where Jesus would eventually put his headquarters in Israel. Can you imagine that? I was walking with my wife the other day through our subdivision. You know, we've been there in that subdivision 17 years, like 300 houses or whatever it is. And we think so many people, man, that, that house has been three different people, and that person, other people, and without another person, another person, wow, wow, wow. I mean, some of us have no idea tomorrow where we're going to live, maybe. That's just the way it is. 700 years before, here's where Jesus is going to live. Well, Pastor Mark, that's impossible. Yeah, for you and me, not for God. And so why would he come there? You'll see why he comes. It's very interesting. Uh, Matthew 4, verse 13. Look at it. Jesus leaving Nazareth. Nazareth was where he was raised, but the people didn't believe him. There's no honor for a prophet in his own hometown. So he left. He went and lived in Capernaum. Every year, we go to Israel again in the last part of August, and we always go to Capernaum. Here's the directions of it, what it looked like. Was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali. Now, why did he go there? Look at verse 14. To fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah 700 years before. What did the prophet say? Land of Zebulun, verse 15, and land of Naphtali, the way to the sea along the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. Verse 16, the people living in what? The people living in darkness have seen a great what? Who was that? 
It was Jesus. People living in darkness, in sin, no understanding of the word, had no clue how to do life. They saw someone walk into that town to live there, to set up his quarters there. It was a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. So here in Matthew, we see the fulfillment of that 700-year prophecy. Why is that important? Because you can trust the word of God with your eternal soul. It is all true. It is God's word of truth to you and me. As we begin looking at our world, you know that the Bible predicts there's a day coming when this world will end. And we're getting closer and closer to it with all the things that are happening And that's the whole thing on end time prophecy. And uh, we're going to do, after the first of the year, second, third week, January, whatever, we're going to start the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. And we're going to show you, first four or five chapters are very practical for all of us. Then we're going to talk about the end times, what that looks like. When Jesus comes back in his second coming to set up his kingdom, what the rapture looks like, what, what the tribulation looks like. Daniel's going to give us all of that stuff. And during that series, I'm going to tell you the very day and hour that Jesus is coming back. What are you laughing about? Yeah, if I was to do that, you'd have a new pastor in the pulpit next week. The elders would get rid of me. Of course, by the way, you hear that all the time. These people tell you when Jesus is coming, just take a step like this and then run as fast as you can away from those people. Because what did Jesus say? He didn't even know when he was coming back. Only God the Father did. But we're going to have a lot of fun with that. But my friends, this world is passing away. And it's going to be exciting to go through there. Because what you see here is a fulfillment. 700 years And everything we'll teach about is going to be a fulfillment of the word of God. So Jesus is born in a world very much like you and me. Paganism, dead religious traditions everywhere. Sin was in full force. The religious community was useless. There was no power from God. People were in spiritual darkness. They had no hope. Notice, he came to a people living in darkness. Hello, United States. And he came for a reason. He came and he shined his light into this dark world with hope and peace and a new start for anyone who would repent, believe, and follow. So what is Jesus saying? He's saying here as he came, I am in front of you. I am the light of the world. God didn't send me to hide me. I'm standing in front of you. But you don't see the light. And you'll see the illustration of that in a moment. He said, God didn't hide me. I'm here. I'm the light of the world. I'm the Messiah. But you refuse to repent. And you refuse to believe. Now, there is a practical illustration of this for you and I. As our world gets darker, there's more sin, bondage, and death than ever before. So look at this. You remember this from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5. Jesus says talking to every Christian that I'm talking to right now. You are the light of the world. Like a city on a mountain, glowing in the night for all to see. Why would Jesus say we are now the light? 
because he's in heaven. And we are not the light. We're reflectors of the light. When Jesus lives in you, you reflect the light. And he says, you're the light of the world. You're the hope of the world. You're people of influence. I can't do in this world what God wants us to do, Jesus says, without you. See, you're light. You have to shine. Jesus says to his disciples, you're indispensable to me. Can I say to you this morning, Calvary Chapel, you're indispensable to God. He created you to be light and salt. Don't condemn the dark. Glow, shine. Now, here's my invite cards somewhere. I'm going to get in your case just a little bit. Is that all right? Okay. Doesn't matter. When I mention this, and I don't want anybody saying amen, I don't want anybody saying anything right now. I just want you to listen to me. When I mentioned this card a few, 20 minutes ago, whatever, here's what some of you said. There ain't no way I'm ever going to get one of those stupid cards and hand it out. Really? Really? When you go through your subdivision, your apartment complex, and there's beautiful Christmas lights like we like to go and see. Do you know that most of those people in our subdivisions and apartment complexes who have the lights, they're dark inside. So who's going to tell them? Well, that's somebody else's job. No, 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 no. You are the light of the world. I'm challenging you to get one or two or three and pray over it. Let's take this serious. This is about our neighbors, who many of us had witnessed to many times, but there's no response. Don't give up on them. After all, how did you get here? Somebody shined light into you. And we're going to go, magic card. No, that could be a person's soul for eternity. So we're going to pray about them when we leave this morning. I'm serious. Because what I see happening in the church is almost like you're going to see from Jesus this morning. We can become very ritualistic. We're just doing church. My friends, this is war. And Satan is very active. ISIS is making itself known. Do you know ISIS now is actually hacking church websites in the United States? This world is dark. I read this morning, there's a Scandinavian country. I can't remember what it is. A Christian family, I think five young children, raising their children as Christians. They've taken the five children away, say you're too radical in your Christian walk. They're now in homes. They do not have their own children in an area up near Norway, Sweden. Can you believe that? See, this world needs the light of Jesus Christ. And that's why we're here. Then Jesus says this. Go back to Luke chapter 11, verse 34. He kind of gets into that and he talks about our eyesight. And he's talking to these people. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are healthy, your whole body also is full of light. But when they are unhealthy... Your body is also full of darkness. So Jesus starts to talk about the spiritual light and the truth of his teaching, that he's the Messiah. Now, he starts with a physical application. How many of you have had in your life affection in your eye? Okay. Did it affect your whole body? Exactly. Now, as we all get older, you know what happens to a person when they get older? There's a lot of things. One is, when a person gets older, some of you, I see you out here. 
you have your Bible and you're asking the person in front of you to hold it so you can read the sucker. No, spend 150 bucks, get some glasses. Don't be so proud. You need them. Second, what happens when we all get older? When you get to be 70, 80, 90, guess what's always been forming in your eyes? Cataracts. No, not in my eyes. Yeah, right. You're the one that can't see driving home. Tell me when you're on the road. I'll stay home. Thank you very much. So when you have a cataract, does it affect your whole body? Yes, it does. When you can't see to read the medicine bottle, it affects your whole body. So what Jesus says spiritually, listen, spiritually, if your spiritual eyes are not healthy, your whole body isn't healthy. And he's saying to them, you're blind I'm standing in front of you. I'm the Messiah. What in the world is wrong with you? Jesus knew the reason. Let me read it to you from John 3. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Look at Jesus' response in verse 35. See to it, he's talking to you and me, then that the light within you is not darkness. He says, you're religious and you think you're seeing spiritually correct. You're not. Proverbs 4.19 says it like this. But the way of the wicked is total darkness. They have no idea what they are stumbling over. You see, a person in spiritual darkness cannot see God for who he is. They think he's an angry God. They, they think he's, they have no idea what God's. A person in darkness cannot see their future. And they can't have any idea into the next world. A person in darkness can't grasp the meaning and purpose of life. It just doesn't have any purpose to them. And a person in life simply can't do life right. So Jesus says, no, no, no. There, there's a healthier way. Open your spiritual eyes. And he tells us how. Look at it in verse 36. Therefore, if your whole body is full of light, and where does light come from? From the scriptures. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Therefore, if your whole body is full of light and no part of it is dark, it will be just as full of light as when the lamp shines its light on you. Now, Jesus is encouraging them to open their spiritual eyes. I want us to read this together. We're going to read it out loud. Here we go. Everybody, out loud. That's out loud. Here we go. Jesus speaking. I have come as a light to shine in this dark world. Stop for a moment. Which world? The world we're living in right now. So that all who put their trust with a sign, no sign, all that put their faith in me, all that put their trust in me, finish it with me, will no longer remain in the dark. It's amazing that the long-awaited Messiah actually came and the people didn't recognize him. Although we think we do better than they did, Pastor Mark reminded us that before God revealed Jesus to us, we did the same thing. We need to pray for the lost around us, for God to reveal his son to them, and we need to be sure to reflect Jesus' light to them. Thanks so much for joining us today. Pastor Mark will continue to go through this series in the next edition of Lessons for Living. To add today's message to your study library, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. 
The cost for each CD is $5, and that includes shipping. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. In the next part of the message, Pastor Mark will be reminding us of our need to be listening to God through His Word. We need to be sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit to tell us when we're doing wrong or getting off track. That way we can show the world the transforming power of Jesus and become the witnesses God wants us to be. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.